You're listening to Sea Air with Suleiman Ocheni. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. I hope you're having a lovely day wherever you are. Anyway, without wasting too much time, let's get into the advice portion of this advice podcast. My first question. This might not be the biggest problem a person can have, but the guy I'm interested in is a smoker and I hate it. I swore I would never date someone who smoked, but he is so hot. Like looking at him is like looking into the sun. It is that overwhelming. But the smoking, I don't know what it is. When I'm with him, the cigarette smell on him isn't off-putting. But when I leave, I can smell it on me and it makes me want to puke all day. What should I do? So here's the thing. I was actually in a situation like this once. I was seeing someone who was so attractive. Like I could not believe that I had landed this person. But the only comment there was that they smoked. So trust me when I say I understand where you're coming from. I understand it from the depths of my soul. So based on what I did, I'm going to give you advice. If this is just a physical thing, what that means is that immediately after you meet up with this person, you know, after you guys have the fun, sexy times, arrange it in such a way that you will be able to take a shower soon after because that cigarette smoke is a killer. Like you said, in the moment when your libido has taken over, it's not a big deal. But when you have calmed down and you are moving through the world, it becomes a problem. So make sure that you only meet up with this person for your physical activities just before you are able to take a shower. Now, this is where it can get tricky. If this person is someone you see a future with, that is when Kasalaka enter. Because if you are anything like me, cigarette smoke is a no-go. Personally, I do not care how well-matched we are. I cannot date someone who smokes. So if I were confronted with this scenario, I would end it. But that's just me. And if you're like me, I would suggest you do the same. However, if it's something you can put up with, if it's just a minor irritant, then I suggest you just suck it up and keep it pushing. And then keep quiet about it. Do not nag him about it if you decide that you are going to put up with it. Now, you notice that I did not advise you to try and get him to quit smoking. In my experience, people who smoke only quit when they want to and not because somebody else is asking them to. This is true with most things in life, but even more so with smoking, I have found. I think it's a fool's errand to try to get another person to stop smoking. We've all heard the stories of people lying to their partners about quitting then hiding to smoke. These people use elaborate deceit tactics to fool their partners into believing that they have quit. You know, they stand upwind when they smoke. They make sure they shower after every time they smoke so their partners can smell it. They're always chewing gum, you know, things like that. So don't put yourself in a situation where he would have to lie to you. Don't even try to get him to stop smoking because you would be wasting your time. If he wants to stop, he will stop. You have no control over that. I don't know what you are going to do in the end, but generally, I don't think you should pursue anything serious with this person because putting the smoking to one side, you know, the smell of it and all that, I tend to look at it from a health perspective. Smoking is incredibly bad for your health and a person who smokes, to me, is communicating that they do not care that much about their health. And that is a turn-off for me. There's something about it that just says, yeah, I know I'm killing myself, but I don't care. And that just doesn't sit well with me. Also, if we get married and have kids, it's very likely that you will die before me because of the smoking and well before me. So who do you want to live in this world to take care of your children? Meanwhile, you'll be in the afterlife enjoying your life. I <laughs> beg. So what I'm saying is, if this is a purely physical relationship, pursue it until you have belefou. But make sure you have a place to shower afterward. And if this is the kind of a person you feel like you can really fall for, I would just end it now to save yourself the heartache further down the road. Question number second. I struggled for years with vomiting and nausea, as well as other digestive issues which I dismissed as having a sensitive stomach. 
When my fiancé and I started dating, he urged me to find the cause of my issues. Six months ago, I was diagnosed with celiac disease, an autoimmune disorder that is managed through a gluten-free diet. My fiancé has been incredibly supportive and our kitchen is mostly gluten-free. I can get fairly sick, so we are pretty careful. There's just one issue. I can get cross-contaminated if he kisses me after eating gluten. And he does eat gluten quite often. It can be resolved if he brushes his teeth thoroughly, but he brushes his teeth only every two or three days. He is a grown man and while we've discussed it briefly from a health standpoint, I don't want to be responsible for managing his oral hygiene. That needs to be his responsibility. I don't know where to draw the line though without being controlling. Is it reasonable to expect my fiancé to brush his teeth after eating gluten or every morning and evening or must I just accept that I won't be able to kiss him except on rare occasions? <sighs> See, I've been single for a very long time and this is one of the reasons. I just don't know how to put up with this kind of behavior. Let us leave your celiac disease alone for a second. For God's sake, why are you dating an adult man who brushes his teeth once every three days? Sometimes I look at the things that people put up with in relationships and I am just floored. A human being should brush their teeth twice a day and floss. That is the basic standard. You know what? I would even accept brushing your teeth just once a day. But once every three days? That is insane. What we are talking about here is just basic hygiene. As I am sitting here, my mind is blown. And what's more, I am flabbergasted that it is your celiac disease that is making you question his hygiene practices. For me, for me, this is enough reason to break up with someone. Because how do you kiss somebody who only brushes their teeth every three days? And then you also allow them to put their mouth on your nether regions? That is just wild to me. Anyway, you didn't ask me about your fiancé's hygiene practices. You're asking whether it is wrong for you to request that he brush his teeth after eating gluten or every morning and evening. If this man cares about you, then I'm surprised that he wouldn't have even taken the initiative before you have to bring it up. Knowing that you can get really sick if there's any cross-contamination between the gluten he's eating and your system, I would even say he should be more paranoid about it than you are. Because personally, I wouldn't want to be the reason why someone I loved was suffering. It's easier for me to induce suffering in myself than to induce it in my loved ones. So I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't done this on his own. But you know what? Men can be obtuse sometimes, I hear. Some men need to be told obvious things sometimes. So maybe you need to spell this out for him. So to answer your question, no, I do not think it's unreasonable of you to request this of the person you intend to marry. This has to do with your health. It has to do with your quality of life. One thing I know is that in life, you need to advocate for yourself. And this falls under that umbrella. You don't need to ask him to do this. You should tell him. And like you said, he's a grown man. You telling him alone should be enough for him to adjust his behavior. You don't need to monitor him. Your condition is such that if he doesn't do it, you will know. Because if he falters, you'll get a flare-up. Then you will know that he has broken his promise to keep you safe. If that should be the case, I would end this relationship. Because like I said, this is your life we're talking about. And you shouldn't be put in the position where you have to risk your life because your partner is not capable of adhering to basic hygiene practices. Also, I'm sure there are people out there who are thinking that perhaps your fiancé should quit gluten altogether. I do not want to even steer you to the mouth of that path. I'm sure you understand how difficult avoiding gluten can be. So trying to get someone to avoid it when they don't have to is going to be nearly impossible. So don't even try that. Instead, try what I have advised. Next. Hi Suleiman, I am an introverted person. I find it hard to make friends and relate with people. Sometimes I hate the fact that I'm introverted because I get bored. Though other times I just like the fact that I'm introverted because people can be very annoying. All this is really messing with me mentally. What should I do? The struggle you are having, I blame it on society. Society sees introverts as freaks. And there's only so many times you can be accused of being a freak until you start feeling that way. 
there's nothing wrong with you. The world is vast with different types of people. Some of those people are really social and gregarious. They want to go out. They want to meet people. They want to have external experiences. However, on the other end of the spectrum, there are people who are more in their heads. These people like to be on their own. They're more reflective. The former are extroverts, the latter are introverts, and there's nothing wrong with being either one. In your question, you said you find it hard to make friends and relate with people. Now, I want to ask you, do you want to make friends and relate with more people than you have in your life currently? Or do you want these things because society is telling you that you should want them? Basically, I'm asking, do you want more friends or do you think you should have more friends? Because those are two very different things. You need to sit down with yourself and take account of the friendships you have in your life and ask yourself, are you satisfied with these friendships? If the answer is yes, then forget what everybody is saying about who you are and who you should be and try to get okay with who you are. And you do this by catching yourself every time you have a thought that berates you for being an introvert. You have to be active about it. You have to monitor your thoughts. I know a lot of people are not good at this, at being conscious of their thoughts, but it only takes practice. Be more aware of the thoughts you are having and every time you allow yourself to think about why it's so bad that you're an introvert, catch the thought and change it. Tell yourself that there's nothing wrong with being an introvert. Do it enough times and you will get better at it and you will also start to believe it. Now, if you actually do want more friends, as in you lack friends or you just want more people around you for whatever reason, because introverts need friends too. I like to tell people that introversion does not have anything to do with being shy. It just means the friends you have, you don't spend as much time with them as other people do with theirs. Anyway, if you genuinely want new friends, then go out and make them. And I understand making friends in adulthood is not easy, but like changing your thoughts, you have to be intentional about it. What are your interests? What are the things you like to do on your own? What are your hobbies? Come up with a list and go and do those hobbies in groups. If you like to read, join a book club. If you like jogging, join a recreational track team. If you donate to charity, also volunteer at that charity. You will meet people with similar interests to yours and that's the best foundation for friendship. Also, you said sometimes you hate being an introvert because you get bored from time to time. Here's the thing, as an introvert, you will get bored. That's just the life of an introvert. You're going to have periods when you feel bored and there's nothing for you to do to occupy your mind. In those situations, you have to ask yourself, would I rather be here bored while my social battery recharges or would I rather go outside and spend the limited social energy I have talking to people that I do not necessarily want to talk to? When you answer that question, then you will know the action to take, whether to sit alone or go and try to be social and give only 20% of yourself to the people you're being social with. Just try and accept yourself for who you are and you'll be fine. Here is my next question. What is a person supposed to do if they don't respect the line of work that their partner is in? My boyfriend is a pharmaceutical rep, and I think there are fewer worse jobs in the world. He is great otherwise, but I keep bumping on this. And this is made worse by the fact that he complains all the time about hating his job. How do I resolve this issue? See, yeah, this is a tricky one because it's easy to say if you do not respect what your partner does, then why are you still with that person? But when it comes to this particular issue, things aren't always so cut and dry. A lot of the time in life, we have to work jobs that we do not necessarily want to do, but that we have to do just so we can put food on the table. So many people work jobs that do not align with their values, with their personal philosophies, but they do it because, like I said, they have to put food on the table. I do not think it's right to judge people most of the time based on what they do for a living because it's easier said than done to quit a job you hate when you have bills to pay. 
And the fact that your boyfriend is complaining to you about his job basically comes with the territory. You're his girlfriend. You are his safe place. Perhaps he has nobody else in his life that he can vent to about how much he hates his job. Because I have had jobs that I hated. And after a while, your friends and family don't want to hear about how much you hate your job. So maybe he's venting to you because you are the only person he can vent to. This is something that bothers him, so it's something he's going to talk about. And I'm sure there are things in your life that you complain about to him as well. The question I would ask is, would you rather him complain about it to you or swallow it down and get bitter from keeping all of it bottled up? What you should do is every time he brings it up, encourage him to find another job. I don't know whether he's already doing this, but if a person is working a job that they do not like, I would suggest that while they're in that job, they should be applying for other jobs. Sometimes people get stuck. It doesn't even occur to them that they have the power to change their lives. All it takes is for a loved one to let them know that they are in control of their lives before they get up and start making moves. You say you do not respect the line of work your partner is in, but do you respect your partner? Because a lot of the time, we like to see ourselves as what we do. You know, when someone asks you who you are, you tell them your name and then you tell them what you do for a living. Like I said, what you do for a living is what you do to put food on the table. It isn't who you are. If your partner is someone that you love, someone whose values match yours, if he is someone of good character, then the fact that he does something you do not respect shouldn't make you lose respect for him. And I also want to say pharmaceutical reps are not wholly bad. I know their jobs are to push drugs on people who may not necessarily need them you know drugs that may even be detrimental to some people's health but they serve a purpose in society that's why they still exist without pharmaceutical reps drugs that people actually need won't get into the hands of the people who need them so although a lot of their practices are predatory that doesn't necessarily mean that everything they do is horrible this might be a way you can start to think of it to make yourself feel a little better about it and again your boyfriend is not his job you should actually be glad that he is complaining about it that means he isn't the kind of person who likes this kind of work and I think that's a point in his favor. That is the end of all the advice I have today. So I'm going to be moving on to my fact of the day. Did you know that butterflies are on the decline? And this is because of agricultural intensification, habitat loss, and the decline in traditional land use practices. This is something that I have noticed in my life. For those of you listening who are older than 20, 25 years old, you would remember that growing up, butterflies were everywhere. In fact, as a child, I spent a lot of time trying to catch one unsuccessfully. <laughs> But now I rarely see them. I don't even remember the last time I saw one. And it is happening so quickly that it is possible that if care is not taken, they will become endangered and possibly extinct relatively soon. And that would be such a shame considering what they do for our ecosystem and just the fact that they are beautiful creatures. It actually makes a lot of sense that they are on the decline considering what is happening in the world. Butterflies are very delicate beings. So when you take into consideration global warming, deforestation and all that, it's not hard to see why this is happening. Conservation efforts need to be ramped up if we want to do something about this. But it's going to be an uphill battle when you look at the economic consequences of rolling back some of these harmful practices that threaten this species. I guess we'll find out sooner rather than later. Here is my week in pop culture. A judge has declared Gerardo Cabanillas innocent after he spent 28 years in prison for rape, kidnapping and robbery, which he was wrongly accused of. This was announced by the Los Angeles County prosecutors. DNA testing helped exonerate Cabanillas in a 1995 attack on a couple sitting in a parked car in the city of Southgate, the county district attorney's office said in a statement. As at the time of his arrest, Cabanillas was 18. Cabanillas's case was re-examined by the Conviction Integrity Unit of the DA's office and last week a judge reversed this conviction, found him factually innocent and ordered his permanent release. The reason why this man was sent to prison was because he confessed. And why did he confess? Because law enforcement at the time promised to only give him probation if he admitted to the crimes. They had no intention of giving him probation, but they lied to him and told him that they would. So Gerardo at the time, who was 18, 
confessed to the crimes, probably because he was tired and wanted to go home. But that's not what happened. As we now know, he was then sent to prison for 28 years. What happened here was a horrible, horrible miscarriage of justice. In many countries, police and prosecutors abuse and bend the law just to get a conviction. They don't even think about the lives they are potentially ruining. Now, look at this man. He spent his whole youth in lockup for a crime he didn't commit. He's now 46 years old. I wonder what kind of life he's going to live now. I would suggest that he sues the government for the years he wasted in prison. And he probably will get a huge settlement as a result of that lawsuit. And there are probably people who think the money would be enough to make up for the years he wasted in prison. But I disagree. It's possible that if he had been left to live his life, he would have made much more than whatever they would pay him in that lawsuit. He could have also contributed to society and the world in a major way. Money isn't everything. Then you take into consideration the years he spent locked up, the mental damage that must have done on him. Because it's not a small thing to be locked away. So this story is the reason I have what some may consider to be a controversial take, and that is, although it can prove to be such an insurmountable hurdle for a rape victim to contend with, this is exactly why I believe there needs to be irrefutable proof when it comes to crimes like rape. I think we should believe women, but only believe them enough to investigate. And if those investigations do not bear any fruit, nobody should be prosecuted. I know what I am proposing means that many rapists will go free, and many have, but ultimately I think that's better than innocent people losing their lives and their futures because they were wrongly accused of a crime they didn't commit. Like I said, I think Gerardo should sue and sue for as much money as he can get. And I think criminal justice systems around the world really need to look at how they achieve their confessions. Basically, I don't think they should be allowed to coerce confessions. Of course, this will lead to less convictions, but I don't think there should be a quota for convictions. I think the emphasis needs to be on catching the right criminals and punishing those people. Anyway, I wish Gerardo the best. Next, a 33-year-old Italian man named Filippo Ferlazzo bagged a 24-year jail term last week for a hate crime in which he bludgeoned the 35-year-old Nigerian street hawker Alika Ogochuku to death with the crutch he used for walking. This happened in Italy on the 29th of July 2022. This story jumped out at me because it reminds me of something that I think about a lot, and it is that racism is real. This is something I try to tell people when they are jackpying. I am not saying that you should not jackpa. I am saying that as you are going, be very careful, especially these days. Because, you know, things are so difficult in the country that there is a max exodus of Nigerians out of the country. And these Nigerians are going to mainly three places, the U.S., the U.K., and Canada. So what is happening now is that there are increased populations of Nigerians in these countries. In fact, there are some societies where Nigerians have taken over. I watched a video not too long ago of a street in the UK, I think it was in Birmingham, where Nigerians have taken over. If it wasn't for the architecture, I would have said that was a street somewhere in Lagos. There were only black people roaming around, Nigerians from the look of them. I was hearing people speaking Yoruba, Fuji music was being played in the background and Nigerian street food was being sold. What we have to understand is that people are always afraid of the other. So when another group comes into a society and appears to be taking over, there will always be pushback. Then you now come and add racism into the mix. That's when violence comes in. I want to be clear. I am not saying that it is right for locals to react with violence toward immigrants. I'm just saying this is what usually tends to happen. So I'm just saying we need to be careful when we go out into the world. Because people do not like change. Just generally. Not to talk about change that looks like it's going to disenfranchise them. People will always push back against that. Now, I am not going to suggest what I think constitutes being careful. But my own advice to Nigerians going to these places that have huge Nigerian populations these days is to be careful. In fact, wherever you go in the world, even if you stay in Nigeria, still be careful. Because according to this story, all Alika Ogochuku did was touch this Italian man on the arm to try to get him to buy his wares. And the man murdered him for it. I actually think it's so sad that Nigerians are being forced to leave the country to go to places where 
we are not welcome for the most part. Places where we are treated like we are inferior, like we are second-class citizens. Because it's not the first time I'm hearing something similar to this happening in Italy. A lot of black people experience violence and or racism in Italy, from what I have heard. And it's not that Nigerians don't know this. A lot of Nigerians are aware, but they still choose to go. Because to most of the people who make that journey, putting up with racism is better than not being able to put food on their table. So they do the cost-benefit analysis and choose to go. Anyway, I hope Mr. Ogochuku rests in peace. And I am glad that his murderer has been brought to justice. Perhaps this will serve as a deterrent to other people who have it in mind to carry out similar acts, not only against Nigerians, but immigrants in general. Here is my next story. If you're a Nigerian, I'm sure you've heard of Mubad and the circumstances surrounding his death over the last few weeks. Now, I have refrained from making any comments about this whole thing because before Mubad died, I did not know who he was. It was only when he died that I heard about him and I didn't feel comfortable making any sort of commentary or speaking on the issue, not having known about him in life. I didn't want to disrespect his memory by being like one of those people who try to chase cloud by using Mubad to trend. Because all we're talking about here has to do with life and death and I take those issues quite seriously. I don't want to be an opportunist of any kind, so I kept my mouth shut. Anyway, there's something that has happened concerning this whole thing that I would like to comment on. So, in case you have been living under a rock for the past few weeks, upcoming Nigerian musician Mobad died under mysterious circumstances on the 12th of September 2023. It was reported that before his death, he had been being bullied by veteran musicians in the industry. And there are so many theories or rumors surrounding his death. Things started out well enough with the public calling for an investigation into his death, asking that the people responsible be held accountable, and also offering his family their condolences. But things quickly changed after that. Just like anything that is left to fester for long, viruses will almost always emerge. A few days ago, people came out online out of nowhere and started saying that the baby that Mobad's wife had for him isn't really his. These ignorant, callous, foolish and jobless people demanded that his widow present a paternity test, showing that the baby they had together is in fact Mobad's baby. All this came out of nowhere. Mobad never alluded to whether or not he didn't think the baby was his. As far as I know, his family never voiced such concerns either. Yet, people on the internet felt emboldened to come out and be spouting this nonsense. My question is, who are you? to request that a grieving widow conduct a paternity test to prove that the child she gave birth to is indeed her husband's. You are a stranger. You do not know these people from Adam. Yet, you think you have a right to demand such from her? And she's even playing along with them. She said she will do the paternity test. Now, those people who asked for the paternity test in the first place are now saying that they don't care what the test says, that the baby is not Mobad's because the baby does not look like him. What a stupid thing to say. If that's the case, then me, my parents want to go and pick me from dustbin because I don't look like either of my parents. These people are honestly trolls trying to chase clout. A man died and they are seeing it as an opportunity to chase clout. There's even this prophet, I'm not going to even mention his name because I don't want to give him any kind of promotion, who is saying that they should bring Mobad's corpse to him and he will bring Mobad back to life. What a ridiculous thing to say. Somebody died. I'll keep saying, somebody died. This is serious. This is not a joke. This is not something to use for a come up. The way people lack respect, I swear it's staggering. Really, these people should be ashamed of themselves and honestly, what they are doing to this grieving mother is going to come back at them tenfold because this is so disgusting. It is so off putting it actually makes my skin crawl. I don't know what it is about the internet that turns people into the worst versions of themselves. People feel free to just post whatever the hell they want to post and it's because there are no consequences. All this just goes to show you how quickly people can change. First, it was justice for Mobad. Now they are here terrorizing his wife, a woman he loved and his son who is a baby who will grow up and see all this nonsense one day. 
people really need to do better. But actually, if people can't be trusted to do better, because that is something we always say, people need to do better, but they never do. So if they can't be trusted to do better, I feel like there needs to be consequences for this kind of behavior. I don't know what those consequences should be, but they should be there. Because nobody should have the confidence to come outside and spout such nonsense with impunity. They are playing with people's lives and it is not funny in the slightest. Here is my final story. Last week, filmmaker and actress Funke Akindele and her ex-husband, musician JJC Skills, were seen dancing together and exchanging pleasantries at the premiere of their new movie, She Must Be Obeyed. And people were shocked. Actually, I blame society and couples of the past for getting us to this place. People feel that just because two people broke up, they need to be enemies. And I happen to disagree. If a romantic relationship ends between two people and nobody was violated, nobody was cheated on, nobody was abused physically, emotionally or mentally, it just didn't work out. I feel like after those two people go away for a while to lick their wounds, they can come back together and be friends, especially when they have children. I'm not one of those people who believes my ex is my enemy. Life is hard enough without moving through the world racking up enemies. There are already enough people in the world who don't like me. I don't need to add to the list. Funke Akindele and JJC have children together, so I don't understand why people are shocked that they are not at each other's throats. What they are doing, in my opinion, is modeling healthy adult relationship dynamics for their children to emulate. Now, I do not know what is in their hearts, so it is possible that they actually hate each other and they are acting for the cameras. But at the end of the day, if they are able to put aside whatever feelings they have toward each other and be cordial, I think that is something to be applauded. Also, they were at the movie premiere of their film, so they were at work, they were being professional. Even if they hate each other, considering that they were at work, they conducted themselves exactly how they were supposed to, like professionals. I know there are so many people who, even if it was work, they would not be capable of swallowing their animosity in a situation like this. But that's what you're supposed to do because future business partners, future employers, future clients are watching you. So I commend Funke Akindele and JJC for being adults and rising above whatever they have going on personally to have a good relationship for their children and also ensuring their professional futures. We would all do well to emulate their behavior. Now it is time for In Case You Missed It, the segment where I play one of my hot takes that I posted somewhere on the internet over the past week or even earlier. Why? In Case You Missed It. See, whenever I'm talking about uh, stupid reasons for choosing partners, one of the examples I always use is women refusing to date short men. And people have accused me for using that example because I am short and it's pinning me because I am being rejected. But that's not true. Let me tell you the reason why that uh, example sticks in my mind by telling you the story of the love of my parents. So not only is my father a short man, but he is shorter than my mother. So back in the day before I was born, my mom met my dad and decided she wanted to marry this guy. And on paper, he was not it. My mom came from a relatively affluent family in Lagos. Like her brothers, they tell stories of going to the nightclub and trying to outspend the governor's children, that kind of money. That's the money they came from. Meanwhile, my dad came from a poor family. His mother was a market woman and his father was a farmer and butcher. And um, he was a junior staff, a civil servant. He was a divorcee. He had three children. He was seven years her senior. He was not it. And my mom's parents were like, no, we forbid you from marrying this man. Long story short, she insisted and she married him. And my mother said that the reason that she chose my father was because although he wasn't all that back then, she looked into his character and saw that this is somebody she could build with. She saw that although he didn't have a lot of money, he was taking care of his three daughters. He was taking care of some of his uh, siblings. He was sending money back home to his parents. He had a good heart. He was responsible with money. He had integrity. She felt that this was the kind of person who would not stay down for long. 
basically bottom line of the story is that when her friends were choosing men because of money or looks she was looking for somebody who won't give her wahala somebody that she could build with and she found that in my father and i always say that the best gift my parents have given me is choosing each other because i really believe that i am a well adjusted human being and a lot of that is because of who my parents are they raised all their children well they imparted all five of us none of us is wayward they imparted the right values i think in all of their children and we are fine and that is just chef's kiss and you know life is funny because when my mom's dad died and all the money dried up you know his brothers came and took the property and his money and all of that it was my dad who had to step in and pay for some of my mom's uh, sibling school schooling uh, he took care of my grandmother he was the one who did a lot in that family and he, this is the man that they didn't want her to marry in the first place and i'm not saying that my parents marriage is perfect and that they haven't had their struggles and their trials but it's less relatively to what i see around me in other people's marriages my mom says that she has never wanted for anything in her marriage and even for us kids did we always get what we wanted no but we always had what we needed and that's what mattered I promise you when you choose a partner for the right reasons your life will just be better and I feel like I am proof of that. This week if you haven't seen Jane the Virgin then I am jealous of you. The show follows Jane the titular virgin who is accidentally artificially inseminated with the sperm of a man who isn't her fiance. In the show you see how she navigates relationships with the man whose baby she is carrying, his wife, her fiance and her family. It's a romantic comedy TV series that has some mystery mixed in. The thing about this show is that no matter what is happening on screen, you can always see the love and affection the characters have for each other. It's one of those shows where you like all the characters, even the ones you're supposed to hate. This show is so good that as I sit here talking to you about it, I have convinced myself to watch it a second time. So that's what I'm going to do when I get up from here. So do like me if you want to enjoy. And with that, we come to the end of this week's episode of the podcast. I am your host, Suleiman Ucheni. I would love if this podcast could be a conversation between you and I. If you have a question, anything relationship related that you need help with, please send it to me via email. You can write an email or record a voice note and send that to me. Remember, if I treat your issue on the podcast, you will be anonymous, so I will not expose you. Equally, if you have any feedback, any additions or subtractions from what I have said on this week's episode of the podcast, you can also reach out. Email me at suleiman.talks at gmail.com, which is spelled S-U-L-E-I-M-A-N dot T-O-K-S at gmail.com. You can also DM me on Instagram if you would prefer that. I am Suleiman underscore talks on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow me on those platforms for more relationship advice. The voice you heard at the beginning of this podcast is the lovely Fatima Beta. The theme song you're listening to right now and at the start of the podcast is by Koma Media on pixabay.com. Catch a brand new episode of CA next Monday. So until then, bye.